You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great, Dave. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. And another Friday, another, another podcast. Friday. Yep. We got a good one today. We're getting charitable, right? That's right. We're going to talk about uh, charitable giving strategies. For a lot of our clients, this is this has been an interesting topic the last couple of years because the way they had handled uh, charitable giving for years changed in terms of how they treated on their taxes, and it's caused some frustration and a little bit of little a lot of questions. And it, I think, makes sense for us to talk a little bit about some of the simple strategies people can do to fulfill their charitable goals and yet still get some tax benefits from it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we have lots of clients that uh, enjoy giving to charity as part of their financial strategy. And Mm -hmm. so definitely want to support that and and find the best way to do that. And getting tax deductions is a part of that. But like you said, there's been some changes. So you got to be a little bit more conscientious of how you do that. For context, traditionally you make donations during the year, you save your receipts. And then when you do your taxes, you total those up and you add to it certain things that are also deductible, like certain healthcare costs and uh, uh, mortgage interest and property taxes, things like that. And historically, Folks in the middle class would, in a lot of years, have enough to get over the standard deduction on their taxes. And Yeah, I mean, it used to be it wasn't very hard. If you had a mortgage and you had um, a pretty decent amount of state and local income taxes, you were usually at or about to that point. But that all kind of changed with the tax law change. And it's not that the uh, deductions themselves changed. You're still allowed to deduct your charitable giving. However, the standard deductions went up quite a bit so that now in 2021 for a single taxpayer, the deduction is $12,550. And for a married couple, it's $25,100. So you've got to have quite a bit of mortgage interest and property tax and deductions to get to that hurdle. And if you're just doing donations of a few hundred dollars here or there, you probably aren't going to get any tax benefit from them. And so it went from like 40%, I believe, somewhere around there of people that were not taking or taking the standard deduction up to like 85% of people now take the standard deduction. And so... You know, that has a big impact on your ability to write off your charitable contribution right. like we talked about. Right. Most people aren't itemizing anymore. Right, right. And while most people that I've talked to still are still making donations and being charitably minded, some of that incentive has gone away a little bit. And so one of the things that was adjusted here last year part of the CARES Act was to allow for a $300 charitable deduction, regardless of whether you itemize or not. And this year for 2021, that will be $300 for single taxpayers and $600 if you file jointly. 
Yeah, and I think kind of the the thought process behind making these uh, above-the-line deductions, if you will, um, which means that you don't have to itemize, is that, you know, charities really got into um, a lot of trouble as far as their ability to generate income during mm-hmm. the pandemic as well. And so this was one easy way to, that the government decided that they could incentivize people to give and to right. give because they knew that they were going to get a deduction on their taxes. They didn't have to do anything. Right. They, didn't have to, they didn't have to itemize in order to be able to do this. So, so our first strategy is just to keep in mind that the first $300 if you're single or $600 if you're filing jointly on your tax return is deductible regardless of whether you get over the $12,550 or $25,100 level. You can still take that that limited deduction. So keep your receipts. And, you know, if you give, if you give $50 a month to your church, that's $600 and that would be deductible or a hundred dollars to the local food pantry, you know, that you still are going to get some advantage from that. So that was a nice change. And yeah, as you said, it was, it was a, it was to help charities like food banks and, uh, and the like during the pandemic, but they've kind of put it in as a permanent, uh, permanent thing for now. Nothing in taxes is permanent, right? But right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's a pretty good, it's a decent deal. You know, it's on a smaller dollar amount, but if you're in the 22% tax bracket and you give a hundred dollars, that's 22 that you're not paying in taxes. So it's not, you know, it's not, not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, another way to look at it is that it saves you 22 cents on the dollar for every, you know, it gives you that much more ability to give and support than you would otherwise. You're doing it at a lower right. cost. So right. another strategy that you can use to make donations and get some tax benefit from it is to group your giving into one year if you can. It takes a little more planning and it takes having some savings available, but you can recoup some of that uh, tax benefit. A common maybe example or an easy to understand example is you know, if you are making regular donations that you're going to make them irregardless, something like a tithe to uh, uh, your church. And let's say that amount is $10,000 a year. Well, if you had the ability to take $10,000 that you were going to give in one year and do all of it in January and then continue on your monthly amount throughout the year, as opposed to um, doing it in two separate years, sometimes that will help you get over that threshold of mm-hmm. the standard deduction. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, $10,000 a year is maybe on the extreme side, but even if it's if it's a couple thousand a year and you add those together, because you're trying to get over that standard deduction hurdle. So right. once you get over either the 12500 or the $25,000 level, it starts to do you some good. So that's one way. Again, you know, requires some planning and some uh, forethought. And uh, I had one client, we talked about that strategy, and she said, well, but my church is used to me giving X every month. And I said, you know what? I bet if you call the church secretary and tell them you're going to yeah. do three years all at once, they'll be okay with that. Right. You know, (laughs) you know, so it takes a little planning and it's a little different than what we're used to. But, uh, you know, it can be done. It can be done. You know, the next strategy to talk about, and this has been very popular amongst our retired clients, but uh, Mm -hmm. qualified charitable distributions from IRAs. Mm -hmm. 
So these are really neat because a lot of times when you are at that required minimum distribution age, you've got to take money out of these accounts regardless. And so when you're 72, you have to take a required minimum distribution. And so if you are um, also giving to charity as it is um, outside of your IRA on a regular basis, it's just kind of a matter of switching up how you do that. And instead of doing it out of your income, if you do it out of your IRA, it allows mm-hmm. you to make that distribution from your IRA and not pay the taxes on it. Um, and if you have, and it accounts for your required minimum distribution, which is right. super helpful because right. you had to take this money and you have to take more income. Well, now you're doing the charitable donations, but you're not taking on the income. Right. And it's and it it doesn't matter if you itemize because it just doesn't count as income. So you know, it's, it's a direct benefit to you and you have to be over age 70 and a half and you can, you have to have the check made out directly to the, the charity. So you have to work with your, your custodian and your financial planners to make sure that it's documented right and, and done correctly. But the limit now is quite high. It's up to a hundred thousand dollars per IRA holder. So a husband and a wife could each do a hundred thousand dollars out of separate accounts pretty generous uh, benefit. I think that's, that's one we're going to keep seeing be popular. Yeah. And I think too, you know, the benefit of the higher standard deduction is if you're making charitable contributions and you're not getting above that standard deduction, this is a way to still use that standard deduction right. and use those charitable contributions because you're not taking that income right. you would have had to take in your IRA. So that can be a big benefit too. Right. And again, it's a different mindset. We've had people that would normally write a $100 check to an organization. Instead, in January or February, we'll do a $1,200 IRA check to that organization. And mm-hmm. again, the organizations love it because they're getting the money up front. And, right. you know, uh, it's it's actually easier for them. So right. haven't yeah, had absolutely. haven't had any uh, haven't had any uh, re- recipients yet come back and say, boy, we wish you'd right. go back to, uh, you know, one hundred dollars <laughs> a month instead. Another strategy that can be effective is to donate appreciated assets instead of cash. You know, in a nutshell, if you've got stock, for instance, that you bought a long time ago and it's gone up in value, if you sell that stock yourself and give cash to a charity, you're going to pay capital gains on that growth. If you donate shares of stock to a charity, they can sell the stock and they don't pay any capital gains tax. Right. Yeah, so that can be a a big benefit depending on how long you've owned the stock, how much appreciation you have. Mm -hmm. Um, That can make a big difference. Yeah, and you know the donation itself may still be tax deductible if you get above the standard deduction amount. But even if even if it's a smaller amount, you're at least getting that capital gains liability out of your out of your own portfolio. So so there's some benefit there. Absolutely, and. It's a fairly simple process. Most most um, nonprofits are, that I've asked about this have an account somewhere where they can receive right. a gift of, of stock or mutual funds. And they have a, a broker that is on that account that will liquidate those funds when they come in and provide the cash back to the charity, usually at a, at a nice um, reduced commission, the ones that I've seen. 
Yeah. And, and if they don't, I'm sure that they would be willing to set one up in most cases yeah. um, to be able to do this. I'm sure it's, yep. they're looking yep. for lots of different ways to get yeah. donations. Yeah. They're so not going to turn you find down. find a way. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, just ask if you're, if you're thinking about supporting an organization and you're not sure, just, just ask whomever your contact is there. Chances are they've got the ability to receive appreciated assets or they'll figure it out one way or the other. So, yeah. so that's another strategy that's available to just about everybody. Donor advised funds. is another possibility. And I, this is kind of neat. It requires planning again, but it allows you to both group contributions into one year and potentially use that appreciated asset approach that we just talked about. So, you know, the benefit of these is you can make that contribution all in one year, right? So let's mm-hmm. say you've got a pile of cash and, and you're planning on being charitable with it. But, you know, depending on where you're at, you you might not want to give all that cash to charity right now, mm-hmm. but you want to earmark it for the future. And so you take that and you put it into a donor advised fund. You realize that deduction in the year that you give it, and mm-hmm. then you set up the donor advised fund to then be able to give that money to charity at your discretion throughout right. the years based on what you, when you, that need arises that you want to give it away. Right. You're essentially then making grants from your own little foundation in a way. So right. yeah, you can, you can make a $20,000 grant to your foundation from your assets, take that deduction this year and then give it two charities, $1,000 here, $500 there. And these accounts are really a partnership between you and a foundation, a nonprofit of some sort to make it work for tax purposes. So you've got to be aware they're all going to have rules and minimums and different uh, different caveats. The ones I've looked at are all pretty easy to work with, but you just kind of need to do a little research and, and make sure it makes sense. There's some neat ideas available with donor advised funds, particularly for families, because you can you can have your family be the committee that you know gets together to decide how they're going to use a certain amount of the money every year, which I think is kind of right. neat, especially if you've got yeah. you know young adult children that uh, may be interested or you know, there's, there's, there's some interesting things you can, you can do there from a, from a family perspective. They're, they're, you know, relatively new, but they're becoming more and more commonplace and, you know, they're Mm -hmm. pretty easy to set up. And like, like you said, Dave, as long as you do some due diligence on what exactly the rules are and making sure that you're Mm -hmm. doing it right, they can be a pretty, pretty nice tool to use if you've got a chunk of money that you want to donate, but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily want it to go right now to a charity, but you want to donate it over time and right. you want to involve your family and some of that stuff. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of neat ways that you can set those up. And make those decisions on an ongoing basis instead of the our original grouping strategy, which is just a group one donation, you know, to one charity in several years, you can spread it out this way. And you can also fund a donor advised fund with appreciation at appreciated assets. So, you know, you can, you can get that tax benefit there too. Also, you know, we'd be remiss not to mention that community foundations can set up programs similar to donor advised funds. And sometimes that may be a simpler and more effective choice, depending on, again, they all have their own rules. And and so the same caveats apply. You need to check into what the minimums are and how, you know, how restrictive they are in terms of how you donate that money when you're ready. 
Yeah, definitely, you know, do your due diligence around what kind of fees they're going to charge, what the processes are, and make sure that you're comfortable with the people that are running these because not they're not all created equal, but there's, you know, we've got some great ones in our area yes. um, that uh, do a fantastic job. And yep. we have yep. worked with them in the past. So yep. um, there are some really good ones out there for sure. Yeah, and that can be a very good choice. So the last thing we're going to talk about today is... You know, you can also do charitable giving strategies using your beneficiary designations on your accounts. And, you know, you can essentially name a charity as the contingent beneficiary on your IRA or or even primary beneficiaries. And that has some tax advantages because if you leave that money to a family member, if it's a tax deferred IRA or an annuity, they're going to have to pay the tax on that when they take the money out. But a right. nonprofit can receive those funds, take them out of the account and not pay tax. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, it comes with a little bit of planning, but, you know, other things being equal, if you want a part of your estate when you pass to go to a charity, there's some better things to give to a charity than there might be to give to kids. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if my, if my parents would have passed and they had a bunch of money in a Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA and they wanted to give some to me and some to charity, well, I'm asking for the Roth and I'm right. telling them to give the, the right. IRA to charity right. because the, right. we're both going to get the same amount if there's the same amount in there. The difference is neither of us will be paying taxes if I get the Roth IRA and they get the traditional IRA. Right. So there's some planning around there that makes a lot of sense depending on who your beneficiaries are and what your desire is in terms of the amounts that you want to give and who you want to yeah. give to. So, you know, the bottom line there is talk with your advisor, um, your financial planner or your estate planning attorney about what you're trying to accomplish in terms of how how much you'd like to support different entities. And they'll help you figure out the best, most efficient way to do that. Um, yeah. Because there's different answers for different scenarios, depending on how much you have in IRAs and Roth IRAs and after-tax accounts. There's all kinds of different combinations. Yep. So, um, so those are our simple charitable giving strategies. There's a whole host of complicated estate planning tools you can use as well um, that involve different trusts and annuity structures and are usually designed around getting money out of an estate for estate tax purposes. Yeah, I mean, you can really get into the weeds, and and that's certainly not what the purpose of this podcast is. But there's some, you know, some really smart people out there, and you know, the tax code is complicated. And when you put those two things together, you get some really great, very cool strategies. But they're also complex and not right for mm-hmm. everyone. Um, but certainly, if you are curious about what those are, reach out to us or reach out to a local estate planning attorney, because there's lots of different ways out there to right. maximize what you're giving to charity and maximize the the tax savings benefit that you get. Right, right. So I hope this helps clear up some of the, uh, some of the questions around uh, simpler charitable giving strategies, but, uh, you know, we're always here to help. If you have questions, drop us a line. Absolutely. Yeah. This has been great. There's lots of, lots of things that you can do to donate to charity. And and the one thing I'll say in, in kind of closing is 
even if you don't get a tax deduction, there are very few people in my my life that I have met that said, man, I wish I didn't support this charity or I wish I didn't give back in some way, shape or form. So please don't let that fact that you might not get a tax benefit stop you from supporting some of the really great nonprofits that we have out there. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we say with the portfolio choices, taxes are important, but you can't let taxes wag the... uh, can't let the tax tail wag the uh, investment or the gifting strategy dog, so to speak. Right. So absolutely, all absolutely. Right. All right. Well, it's been fun as always. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. This is great. All right. I'll talk to you later. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com. And contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.